0: many of you have been reading along with us in our reading plan if you've not yet joined us you can join us this week you can join us in the reading plan the reading plans are uh, out in the foyer as you come in if you're going out there on the desk on the left hand side you can pick one of those up um, and and we'll be back in the book of acts I can't remember exactly what week it is but uh, we'll be back in the book of Acts starting in chapter 16 I think is where this um, week starts but i uh, like for you to join for those of you that are joining and already doing it um, are we having some technical is this muted Huh? in and out okay alright let's continue guys we just have to work for it Okay, Um, many of you, as you've read, may have guessed where I was going this morning. Some of you, um, and maybe some of you who have guessed where I was going this morning, um, probably, uh, maybe that's why the crowd is a little smaller than normal, because some of them guessed it and said, I'm not going. I don't want to listen to that. But some of you guessed, and you come anyway, and if you guessed chapter 3 of James 1 through 12, dealing with the tongue, you guessed right. Because that's where we're going to be today. I don't know that we can ever deal enough with this. But I want us to begin, I want us to think the reason for this, and I will, I will refer more to our words today than I will our tongue Many times James refers repeatedly in this passage about our tongue, but I want to refer to our words and how our words are used. And in beginning, I want us to think about how important that is. As you're in James chapter 3, I want us to think about, I'm going to read to you some passages out of Romans, and I want you to think about what is said out of Romans 10, starting at verse number 8. It said, but what does it say, remember, our words, The word is near, okay, the word, let me get my, all of a sudden, Paul Cordell warned me of this. All of a sudden, one day, I'll be up here and won't be able to see, and it has happened, and Paul cursed me with it. (laughs) But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Now watch verse nine. If you confess it's with our words, our mouth, if we confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart one believes into righteousness, but with the mouth, confession, words is made into salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him shall not be put to shame. There's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon his name. Again, our words. For whoever calls on his name, on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in verse 14 he continues on, how then shall they call? How, the, how then shall they call on whom they have not believed? Okay, how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? They've got to hear the word, right? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now listen, when it talks about a preacher here, it's not talking about a pastor. This is a word for everybody. Everybody that's saved, everybody that's called. And, And how shall it be that they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. That could be everyone's feet in here. Who bring glad tidings of good things. But they. Have not all. Obeyed. I think I was loose. They have not. All or I've just killed it one. I'm good. They have not all. um, Obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said Lord who has believed our report. And then verse 17. So then faith comes by what? How do you hear something? Yeah. It has to be spoken or it has to be read. Right? You hear either because something said something or because you read something. You hear it. So our whole salvation is based upon what we hear, right? Right? I want, you to, I want to look at this further uh, before we get into James. I want to look at this just a little bit further. When you think about the book of Genesis in chapter number 1, when God is creating, I want you to think what it says. And then God said, let there be light. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together. God said, let the earth bring forth its fruit. It, it, it's again, it's God's Word created everything. He spoke. And when he spoke it took place. He heard. He heard. He spoke, they heard it was created. And then I want you to think about chapter two, verses seventeen and 18, verses sixteen and seventeen. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. What's this? For in the day that you eat you shall surely die. What is he saying? He has spoken a command to what? He said, I'm trying to keep you from death. Don't eat this and you won't die. So so with his words, he's spoken life to them. And with his words, he's spoken how to prevent death. You don't have to die. You all can live forever. Just don't eat of that tree with words. And then in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What has... So Satan has come along the scene and he has said, Don't believe what God said. Has he really said that? He's just holding back. So what did Satan do? Satan spoke words as well. And when he spoke words, what did he do? He spoke death. Proverbs is really true in chapter 18, verse 21. When it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the time. God spoke life. Satan spoke death. Adam and Eve chose death. You and I have therefore entered into a land that has two languages, not multiple languages. There's all kinds of languages, but there's really two languages. It's a language that we speak of death, and it's a language that we speak of life. And the question is, this morning is, what language are we speaking? I want to ask it this way. The question for us today is this. Our words, are they bad or are they good? Our words, are they good or are they bad? Now we'll begin in the book of James. Number one is this. Our words can be for good. Look at chapter 3 verse 1. My brethren let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying, don't let many of you become teachers. He's not telling people not to teach. I want you to get this. You say, well, it just looks like he's talking about you, Chris, because you're our teacher. Listen to me. Everybody sitting in this room is teaching someone. It may be a child. It may be a grandchild. It may be someone you work with. It may be a spouse. But everyone here... Is teaching someone, and, and we're and, and because we're teaching someone, we're held to a higher standard. So, but teaching can be for good. Think about what Paul said in Colossians 1, 28 and twenty-nine. Paul said, Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying, man, I make it a priority to know that I am teaching people. I recognize that I'm teaching people. So with my words, I don't want to do... You remember Paul made this statement. Paul said, I'd rather speak five words that you can understand than 10,000 that you cannot. Paul said, I want to know very clearly. I want to understand and take my words very seriously because I am teaching somebody. So our words can be for good. Look at verse 2 though. Number 2, our words can be for bad. For we all stumble in many ways if anyone does not stumble in word. He is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. Notice that James says we we uh, we stumble in many ways. And I wonder if James, remember James is a half-brother of Jesus who did not, before the resurrection of Jesus, did not have a good opinion about Jesus. Matter of fact, at one point, this is what Jesus' family thought about him. Look at Mark 3, 21. It'll be on the screen. But when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, talking about Jesus, for they said, he is out of his mind. I wonder if James, when he's writing this and thinking about the tongue, is he thinking about, I remember when I stumbled in speech. I remember when I said some things about Jesus that wasn't correct. He said, we stumble. Our words can be for bad. You remember, but but God grows us, right? You remember Apollos? Apollos in the book of Acts, Priscilla and Quilla, they listened to him and they said, he's almost got the gospel, but he's missing part of it. He's not got the full gospel. So they pulled him aside and they taught him more clearly the word of God. See, we can maybe not have all of it. But I want you to notice this other thing about this thing, this verse 2. If he is perfect, if he's able to control the tongue, he's able to bridle the whole body. If you're not stumbling in word, it's because you're becoming mature. But the fact is, is have you recognized that if your part of your life is out of control, part of your life is out of control, it's a guarantee that your words are out of control. Because if we could get a hold of our words, we can control the whole body. But when we don't control our words, we can't control our body. We come out of control. We're moved by that. It's a little member, but the hardest of all to tame. Right? It's tough. It's not easy. But if we can control it, we can control the rest of our lives. One person said this about our tongue. He said God gave us teeth so that we can put our tongue behind bars and a mouth so that we can shut him up. Our our words can be bad. They can be bad. Look at verses 3 and 4. I want you to see this. Our words have great power. He said Verse three said, "Indeed, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body." Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small r- rudder wherever the pilot desires. James talks about the horse being controlled by a piece of hardware in its mouth. He talks about a rudder turning the direction of a large ship. So think about it. a small piece of metal in the mouth. of Of a horse gives a person like me the ability to control a 1,500-pound animal. It seems almost impossible. But it's done all the time. Control. Control. Would you think about a small rudder that gives a person the ability to turn a ship? that can carry a thousand people, but turn the ship and keep it from hitting the iceberg. So our tongue is small, and our words seem insignificant and meaningless, but they have more power than anything else we have. Many times, a person who is out of control with their tongue has been out of control with their tongue so long in their life they don't even recognize it. They become blind to it. Like you become nose blind to something, you can become blind to the part that you have a tongue that's sharp and ugly. Many times we don't see it just because it's become a part of who we are. John Wesley met a man one time who said, I believe that God has given me the talent to tell people like it is. And John Wesley said, God wouldn't mind if you buried that talent. God wouldn't mind if you buried that talent. Wow. Our words... They have a power, when you think about it, to lead families, churches. You think about direction of our nation itself has changed direction because of one speech. Our lives have been changed because of one truth of the gospel that was spoken to us. Bridget's life was forever changed when she said, I do. We're not for sure whether we're st- hey, whether it was good or bad, it's still up for debate. But our life was forever changed. Words are powerful. A couple of years ago, some of you all know it well, some of you may not know it at all. But <clears throat> when the swarming sh- sh- shelter and 20-something homeless people run out of a place to live and no longer and our church agreed said bring them here and we were housing them and getting them placed and we brought them here and they lived here and i never knew the weight that that was going to be on me and i never understood i never could imagine the test and the trial and the struggle that that was going to be to love people and try to place them but yet try to take our church forward and do the right thing and it was difficult and I can tell you I hit some bad times and my wife can contest to you that uh, we're not for sure that, we, that I slept for two months. I, I'm not even for sure that we even slept during that time and fear of all that was going on. And. But I was sitting in my office and I was discouraged and I tell you I was ready to give up and I was ready to quit. I was ready to walk away from a lot of stuff. I was, I was a mess. Many of y'all don't know that, but I was a mess. And Tom and Fran Painter come in my office. They just come by to see me, and they sit down. They sit down across from my desk, and these were their words. I'm so glad our church is dirty. I thought, I thought you don't know. She said, I'm so glad our church is dirty. It just tells me. That we're doing what we ought to be doing. That we're ministering and loving people. That we're caring about people. And it's a mess in here, Chris, she said. And it's a mess in here. I wouldn't live here. It's a mess. She said, I'm so glad. Fran will never know the power of those words that pushed me to finish out. To push me to go there. They didn't know it. I shared it in the funeral last night. She didn't know it till last night that I really was at a place of quitting. And just words are powerful. Words are destructive, though. Words are destructive. Will you look at verses 5 through 8 with me? Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So how great a forest a little fire kindles. The the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it's set on fire the course of nature and it's set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Just a little spark, just a little word, just a little bit of negativity sets a whole forest on fire. The Smoky Mountains was set on fire just by a young man striking a match and dropping it to the ground. Just a, just a word set a whole forest on fire. can really stir up a mess. It's a few words. He called it a world of iniquity. He said it's full of unrighteousness. He said it was defiled. It stains our lives. You've got to know this. Whoever said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, is a liar from hell. There is nothing true about that. I've got a scar above my eye where a younger brother hit me with a stick. I don't think nothing about that, but I think about some of the things that he has said to me. It's the words. The words. They defile, they stick, they leave a stain behind in our lives. They're set on fire by hell. The word used for hell here is the garbage dump in Jerusalem where the trash burned and where the bodies of criminals who their family didn't want them was took and just burnt there with the garbage. He called it an unruly evil, restless, quick to defend, swift to attack, anxious to win. An unruly evil, a deadly poison, poison, whether it's slow or whether it's sudden, it brings death. You see, words from each other. We can edify or we can tear down. We can build up our children or we can tear them down. We can build up our spouse or we can tear them down. We can build each other up or we can tear us down. What are we doing with our words? What are we doing with our words? I want to share another story. It was November of my junior year of high school. I think it was 1988, and I was late for an English class. And the teacher, I was I wasn't a good student. I, w- I was a punk, okay? It's a punk with a mullet, and braces, cute as a button. I was a mess. I was late for English class, and the teacher said. I'm not going to deal with this all year. Go on to the principal's office. Wrote a note. I went to the principal's office. I sat down in a seat across from the principal and him behind his desk. And The principal looked across the desk and he said, Chris Thomas. I'd never met him. He didn't know me and I didn't know him. He said, Chris Thomas. He said, is your brother Chuck? I said, yeah, my brother's Chuck. He said, well, Chris, this is a deal. Chuck gave us a lot of headache, and it looks like you're going to go down the same road. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. I don't have time for you. I didn't have time for your brother. I don't have time for you. I'm going to ask you to go down to the counselor's a- office, and I'm going to ask you to drop out of school, and I'm going to ask you to quit. I said, Mr. Hale, I, my mom would never allow that. And he said, Chris, how old are you? I said, I'm 17, Mr. Hale. He said, well, by state law, your mom can't stop you. You're of age to make this decision, and I'm asking you to make that decision. And I made that decision. I walked out of his office to the counselor's office and dropped out of school and turned in all my books and went to work. A child that was on a trajectory, to go to college and to do architectural draftsmanship. Piggly Wiggly hired me full-time on midnight, stocking their shelves, $3.35 an hour. Words can change a directory of a person's path. They're powerful. They can be for good, or they can be for bad. Now I don't want to leave it there, because when I was twenty-four years old, I got my got my GED, already married for four years and had a child at that time. But I got my GED during that time. God had saved me and was preaching, and and this May I will graduate with my bachelor's degree. For Pastoral ministries. Sometimes Satan means things for evil, but God means them for good. We just don't know. Our words are important. Can we continue on? Let me finish this message. The last one I want us to see is our words reveal. Our hearts. Our words reveal our hearts. I want you to look at this. He said in verse 9, He said, With it we bless God and the Father. With it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt and fresh water. Our words reveal our hearts. We bless God with our tongue, but then we curse each other. We lift our hands in praise, but then we cross our arms toward each other. It can't be. It can't be. That's not what he has said for us. Remember how we are to see men. If they are saved, Christ lives in them. If they are not saved, Christ died for them. But many times we find ourselves raising our hands to Him, crossing our arms to others. But the fact is, is our words reveal what's in our heart. You see, you say, man, I'm going to leave this message and I'm going to speak differently to my wife and I'm going to speak differently to my husband. I'm going to speak differently to... Listen, the, what you're speaking may not be the issue. That's just the surface level. What's the problem? What's on the heart? The heart of why you speak in what you're speaking. Why are you angry? Why do you say but to your kids? Why do you do these things? It's on the heart. It's on the inside. It's the root of it. Our words just reveal this that's on the inside of why we envy, why we lust, why we have unforgiveness. Our words just reveal this. Kobe, I don't want to show Matthew, but I want you to look at Luke 645. <coughs> A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever is in us, whatever our heart is, whatever the idol is, whatever our treasure is, whatever it is that we think the most of, guys, that's what we speak about. So it's not enough for us to say, I'm going to change my language and I'm going to speak encouraging words and not deathly words. we got to do something about our heart. And our heart, it might be that we need to have Jesus in there to begin with. We might need to be saved and have the Spirit of God in us. Or it might be that there's some idols in our heart. And most of the time, I can tell you what the idol is. The idol is self. I want it my way. I want to do it my way. I want my comforts. I want my pleasures. I want everything to go my way. And if you hurt me with your words, I'm going to hurt you back. It's all about self. an idol that needs to be killed. Destroyed in our life. I started this message talking about God speaking life. Satan spoke death, and we, as a result, we end up in one of two languages. We end up speaking death, the language of death, until Jesus comes into our heart, and we have the Spirit of God within us because we placed our faith in Him, and we have the Spirit of God in us. Listen, you're not a Christian because you decided to go to church. You're not a Christian because you changed some moral behaviors. You're a Christian because the Spirit of God lives in you. And the Spirit of God moves into you and He changes your heart so then you can begin to speak life. But that doesn't mean there's not going to be some idols that get built up in your heart to where from time to time, man, that idol shows up and I'm speaking death. And when I hear those words, I begin to say, man, something's wrong, but I can't just change the words. My heart has to be changed. What is it about your heart that needs to be changed today? God spoke life. Satan spoke death. Hebrews 1, 2 said, In these last days Jesus has spoken. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and what? Jesus brought us life back. So I started with this question, and I want to end this way. The question I ask in the beginning, our words, are they good or bad? But as we finish, we must look at our words. We must think about our conversations. We must think about our thoughts. And we must ask ourselves, what what does my words reveal about my heart? What does my words reveal about my heart? that's the issue until the hearts change the words will never be different God what is it in my heart that's wrong we're going to take communion this morning and I will be right over here if you want me to pray with you or speak with you or share with you at any time And uh, Dawson and Andrew with you two come and help me with with communion this morning and uh, Cray and Jackson, will you all come help me with communion this morning?